Welcome to another episode of the Bench Time Podcast, presented by HO Scale Customs. Now buckle up, you fine scale freaks. This week's episode of the Bench Time Podcast is brought to you by our patrons. This week, we want to thank three brand new patrons to the show, Greg, Bob, and Lynn. Thanks a lot, guys. We really appreciate it. And if you want access to our exclusive Overtime at the Bench podcast, head on over to patreon.com forward slash HO Scale Customs, where you can become a patron, get some cool gear, stickers, you name it. We got some cool stuff on there. So again, thanks, guys, and enjoy this episode. What's up, everybody, and welcome to episode 33 of the Bench Time podcast with Todd and Brett Wiley of HO Scale Customs. This week, we have Kathy Millett. On our podcast of kathymillet.co.uk. She's got a YouTube channel. She's on Facebook, Instagram, a lot of stuff on Instagram, which is where we live a lot of the time. Uh, a lot of great stuff online. And she will be on the upcoming TV show, The Great Model Railway Challenge, on Channel 5 over in the UK. So we are excited to have you on, Kathy. Thank you for joining us. It's brilliant to be here, guys. It's uh, I know a little bit of a time difference, so we got it straightened out, and uh, we're here, and we're ready to talk about everything you've been working on. Excellent. Hi, Kathy. Um, glad to have you on. I, I know we talked about having you on a couple times over the last two months or whatever, and um, it's been you know something I've been looking forward to. In fact, I've told some of our other guests that, that we're friends with, and uh, it, you know through going to shows and and doing the events here in the United States, um, that we have uh, you on as a guest. They are. They were like, that is so cool. We can't wait to hear it. And these are probably people that you know personally as well. And, um, you know, so this is something we've really been looking forward to. Um, just for our listeners uh, to let them know, uh, this was supposed to be recorded uh, about an hour or two ago. And I had um, a lawnmower experience with my lawnmower that, didn't, that wanted to start perfectly on the first pool a week ago and now because for whatever reason uh it is not working uh i lost track of time i think maybe or i got the times wrong with kathy and i apologize for that uh on the air here with you and uh we're glad to have you on board i smell like gasoline and it's nauseating but we're gonna get through this and have a lot of fun um good <laughs> um the um uh let us i know you from uh watching you i know about you from watching you on youtube as a main primary one of the media outlets that i've you know found you on through you know all of our trying to learn and learning experiences with model railroading um and your youtube videos are extensive i mean they cover model railroading they cover other modeling uh, and different scales or different types of modeling. You've even branched into some military modeling and uh, that type of thing. I don't know if it's a, uh, some kind of a fantasy modeling. Um, what what got you into modeling? Now, just for the record, for you, the listeners out there that are not familiar with Kathy's work on YouTube or anywhere else, uh, Kathy is uh, from the U.K., and um, we, uh, this is our first, well, actually, is our second international experience. So, um, <clears throat> again, welcome. And um, can you tell us a little bit about how you got started in the modeling? Was it in modeling, or was it in some other form of modeling or art? 
Well, I started off like a lot of people in the UK with Hornby 00, three rail track. It's <laughs> solid metal, it's from the 50s, and my dad had it. And every Christmas, this giant Siemens trunk came out, painted bright green, and we'd pull out the track and we'd get it down on the floor and we'd run some trains. And eventually I got myself the typical 8x4 plywood baseboard and I built myself this layout using this um, 50s track and some of my dad's old models and trains. And I've got to say, if I look back at my scenery efforts then, thankfully I don't think any photos have survived. <laughs> but I think my white lines were a little over scale and the sort of highlight of my scenery material was probably sand. Yeah. It's Very certainly cool. a long time ago. Yeah. And a lot of people have told us that exact. It's one of the standard questions we give just about every guest is when you guys started, what got you interested in it? And, and everybody pretty much has come up with when I was a kid or my father or my grandfather or whoever um, dug out the train set and it was a three rail system. And I think it's the same for all. I know it is for me is when I was a child uh, for Brett uh, being his father. I know that for him, um, it was, I was already into my <laughs> a little bit at a time. And I think the fascination took with him. Yep. But, um, you know, it, and I think it stems from something our family has done. And so, so interesting that it is like that everywhere in the world. And, uh, that's, that's pretty, pretty awesome. But, uh, the, um, when, when you graduated from that point, um, what, got you interested in the artistic side of fine scale detailing well i kind of stopped modeling for 10 20 years you know you you get homework i did normal art and crafty type things did a bit of quilting and then i went on holiday to mevagissi and there's a world of model railways there and they had a railway permanent exhibit and i remember thinking gosh this, I remember enjoying it. And I think that's the thing to take away from children. They will leave the hobby for a bit, but then they look back on it and they have that emotion attached to the modelling, which is, oh, I enjoyed that. And later on in life, I think people look back and look for what they enjoyed for. Um, so I looked at it and thought, oh, I enjoyed that. So I started going to railway exhibitions. And in the UK, I think it's a little different to the US, there's an exhibition every week somewhere. There's probably eight or nine on every weekend. So I'd go to the local little solid hole one. There might be like eight or nine layouts there and maybe one or two little traders or something. Um, and I looked at them and I got a lot of magazines, railway modeler. Mm-hmm. Uh, I started to build a UK layout. Um, and I lived by a railway line at the time. So I did the stretch past the house. With hindsight, probably doing a sort of double track main line in nine foot, um, sort of switching layout size was probably not the best idea. But, you know, I started modelling. I did these scratch built, completely scratch built models of my house, terraced houses I lived in. And I just loved doing it all from scratch, everything to look just like the real thing, um, including my for sale sign, my trees, my garden, my neighbour's gardens, all that kind of stuff. And I just, I loved creating that whole world in miniature. Mm-hmm. And about two or three years in, I went to Derby Model Railway Exhibition, which was in the assembly rooms in the centre of Derby at the time. And they alternated continental route. They, they always had a UK hall. Then they alternated a continental room with a North American room every other year. And the year I went first was a North American room. And I remember really liking the layouts because... They're very different to the typical UK layout. 
Um, there's no GWR branch lines. It's all slightly quirky and different compared to what you might see a lot of the time. You can run, um, you know, trains through different scenery and they run down roads and all sorts of things. So I thought, oh, you know, that looks fun. And then I met a girl there who said, oh, you should join the NMRA. So I joined the NMRA and switched over to doing North American outline. Mm-hmm. That's, that's and uh, I, I've seen some of your your work. Um, you've had, in fact, recently uh, one of the things that you had on Facebook and, and on Instagram, and you were asking a question about the the uh, motor lines on your on a large. It was a pretty large building that you had built, and um, and I guess flashing on that building, and that that building there seemed to be more of a European style building is that correct no it's separate the model works kit so it's a new okay. england um oh, it's new. okay so and you do a lot of new england modeling uh is that is that primarily what you what you enjoy doing or well i model in new haven that's my big layout of okay. so because that's new england based mm-hmm. that's what i do a lot of modeling of but i like doing different things so i have to say I do spend a lot of time doing other projects alongside it. So my current micro layout that I'm doing um, for actually a UK magazine is um, it's going to be a slate port. So it's right. a little um, Welsh, Evelyn Helly. Frankly, they call it Port de Norwich at the time, which probably people find easier to pronounce. Okay. And um, it's just got 009 and 00 crossing each other. Mm-hmm. So you've got larger scale 00 and then the very very titchy small um 009 which is basically 00 running on nine mil track which is n scale oh boy it's huh. gonna be interesting yeah uh, it has stub turnouts or points as they call them and the frogs move they kind oh. of switch or they're just cast iron plates they're oh that's nice. so double planned wheels are definitely interesting oh yeah so that's, wow, that's really pretty that's pretty intricate you know, everything you have there wow and um, so, and, and also apparently, um, you, it's not just the the scenery, uh, the, which which you do have a, a lot on your YouTube channel. Um, a lot of your work on there is scenery. Um, you obviously have a a love and a desire to do, you know, to really get into the mechanics of the track work and things like that as well. Um, do you plan on doing any um, any of your YouTube channel videos in you know doing the track work itself itself or yeah I mean this switches? this layout is um, 12 articles for railway modeler which is the largest UK um, so I'm gonna do two pages on laying the track work for them and probably everything that goes with it but trust me the YouTube videos will be a lot longer and a lot more extensive oh that'll be cool to see this yeah yeah, it, it depends how well they go. The first few stub points may not be on the. They may be maybe the third or fourth. That <laughs> um, it's going to be interesting. Um, well, I'm still trying to work out how it's all going to work and pivot with the frogs in my head. And, and that's one of the cool things about your YouTube channel is that your videos you have produced um, they're very diverse. I mean, it's it's not just 
doing the grasses and the and the you know the natural scenery. Uh, you have the man-made type scenery, and and you know you focus on roads, and and I've learned a lot by that, by the way, um, roads and small details, even trash you've made. Um, your videos are very. I mean, there's a lot of videos out there on YouTube. We've all seen them. In my personal opinion, um, the best ones that are out there, the ones I go back to most, are yours and, and Luke Talon's. Oh, um, Luke's wonderful, isn't he? I love watching his videos. Yeah, he's, he's so great. inspiring. <laughs> At some point, I'd like to uh, get with Luke and, as well and have a, a podcast with him. He, he's he got some amazing uh, ideas as well. And uh, Now, but on yours, I've noticed you have, like I said, you, you have them, and then you hit the other type of modelers. And one of the things that we've noticed um, with our podcast itself is we are picking up on a lot of military modelers who are seeing what is done with model railroading as far as scenery, and they're using or they're interested in the modeling that we do just as well as now I know myself and Brett, um, we are – we are into using some of the military uh, modeling products like from AK Interactive and, you know, MIG Ammo um, for the fine detail stuff of uh, the, the grimes and the dirts and dusts and things like that. Um, and I know that Doug uh, Fiscali, uh, we've had on here several times, uh, and he's, he's an, another uh, true artist. Um, he also, along as products and and such but what we're seeing is a crossover between two types of modeling that are actually learning from one another and you see i've seen recently you've done some you know military modeling type uh videos as well Um, well you mentioned i'm sorry he actually sent me a kit to review so that's why i was doing military modeling you can blame it on Doug. (laughs) we blame a lot of stuff on doug we have fun with doug (laughs) Um, but um, I know that there's a lot to be shared uh, that way. And I think that's great that more and more people are learning from different types of modeling uh, and they're, they're venturing outside their little box of just, I, I, I'm just a model railroader. This is all I do. And I don't really, I'm not interested in that. But, the, you know, people are learning from one another. Um do you see railroaders that are picking up on the types of things you're doing from your from that in particular that kit that you you're doing from Doug or? I've certainly had a lot of feedback from people that, that it's really interesting, and to me, I don't think it really matters whether you're doing something in HO or one to thirty-five. The same techniques apply. I think by the time you're getting down to N, it's a lot harder. Certainly if you're modelling O scale, it doesn't seem as much of a reach. Yes, you can put more detail in 1 to 35. Right. But actually, in double O, I think this is maybe a big difference between the UK and the US. Mm -hmm. Our layouts tend to be a lot smaller, so we tend to be more detailed because we want to fill the spaces. So over here, you will see military quality dioramas done in double O. Very commonly, and, and actually, one to seventy-six is not an uncommon military scale. So you do see some great dioramas in smaller scales as well. So I think we're lucky. There's there's a lot of. It's funny they don't cross pollinate more, but there's certainly a lot of techniques that can cross over very easily, regardless of scale. That's very interesting. I mean, I know that um, the the working with the HO 
uh, scale that we that we do, and we don't want to really. We are called HO Scale Customs. We don't want to really single ourselves down to just HO because Brett and I love just about any type of modeling. And yep. uh, I want to I want to try some of uh, Doug's uh, kits as well on the one is that one thirty fifth scale. Um, but the products that we've ordered from AK to work with that type of thing, um, and we're applying to HO, uh, and we've talked about this before, is that you know you have to play around with them and figure out because they're designed for something larger, um, just how to thin them out and make them work for you in HO. Um, and and I think that's a, a a lot of the you said about the techniques are all the same, and I think a, a lot of that is you know getting into it being willing to try and experiment with different uh, techniques and, and different products. Um, you you use a wide array, uh, array of different um, uh, modeling products I've noticed on your videos. Yeah, and there's one area that you haven't really touched on that I get a lot of inspiration from as well, and that's the gaming um, oh yes, yes. Videos. Yeah. And I picked up my cracked earth. It's a Gwellinur from Citadel, and that does a lovely cracked earth effect. It's a little large in HO, perhaps, but you can make it go small if you try. It's a bit of a sort of balancing act, but it's beautiful. And if you want to do snow and ice, you know they do some lovely snow and ice bases. If you want to do rock work, I mean, Terranscapes does absolutely stunning rocks, and they're all for gaming boards and things for customers quite often and mm-hmm. you can just look at some of these um youtube channels and get so much inspiration and again they're actually working quite often in very small scales so they're they're working well with the ho scale right. that you're predominantly modeling in that explains that then brett yeah we get no, a lot we have a we have a lot of gamers that uh, tune in to us or uh, read our blogs and stuff we get feedback from. And um, I, there are some groups that I share our weekly podcast with on in the gaming uh, gaming Facebook group pages. Um, so that explains why, because it's, it's something more along their scale line, which is pretty cool. Mm. No, it's um, it's fascinating. I just love watching what people do. The one I'm looking at at the moment is cosplay. Now, I don't know if you know much about cosplay, but they, they make basically costumes from <laughs> films, TV programs. And occasionally I go to a photography show at the local big exhibition centre and it's Comic-Con on that weekend. And it's fascinating to see what they're wearing. But they use a lot of thermoplastics. and you just heat them up and melt them and they use a lot of EVA foam so I've been trying to do some big rocks I've been trying to decide what I was going to carve my rocks in but I want them for this micro layout and I don't want anything very heavy so I don't want to do them in plaster so I've been thinking a lot so I'm going to try EVA foam I'm not saying it's going to work but if it works (laughs) you'll see on the YouTube channel if it doesn't work it'll quietly just be on this podcast and no one else will ever know (laughs) (laughs) you you know and and that's and I think that's what um, we've been talking about that with some other modelers, uh, and you know, I'll, there's a modeler on Facebook um, that we did last week, uh, Frank Varga. He's from Canada, and I don't know if you've seen any of his work. It's he's he has these magnificent skyscrapers and things that he he reproduces from the 80s, and uh, it's just it's really cool urban scenery. And uh, and he said it best, I think, is that you, when you're willing. Uh, to do just like you said, um, experiment with different, you know, 
mediums of art. Um, and and look when you go to a craft store or such, and you walk in and you think, what what can I use here? This is something I could I could I work with this? Could I use this? And and I and I do that immediately when I go into a store. But you know, and I think he like he said, what sets there's you know the modelers that do the very fine detail and are really into it and their stuff looks magnificent are generally the ones uh, that are are willing to step outside that box and experiment and toy with other other types of mediums and art 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 mediums and, ma- and mainly uh, is what I'm talking about but um, I agree you know. I think you're going to be a good modeler you have to be willing to spend 100 hours on something look at it and go it's not right we pay and start again so you look at that mill that I put up that we were talking about repainted the mortar lines I did that four years ago and at the time I thought it was fine I look back at it now and I just go I can do so much better I'm not happy with it because uh-huh. it's all built now it's the curse um, of any artist yeah so I ended up repainting it and it's, it still needs its weathering and I'm doing a video on how to um, repaint buildings mm-hmm. I've just got a basic Wolfers ready made or wooden scenics or somebody's um, ready-made kit and I'm just showing how to take a plastic kit and make it look a lot better with just things like those AK Interactive products or MIG pro- productions I'm using because I've got tons of them right. and you know with a little bit a few washes and a little bit of paint you can make such a difference to these mm-hmm. it's so easy to do and that's the thing I'm keen on people look at some of the I started with water people look at it and they get scared and they go gosh water's really hard Probably because if the resin does leak and it has leaked for me, it goes everywhere and it's a real mess. And people are just scared of that. <laughs> We've all done it. We'll come down. Yeah. And go, oh, it's um, but to me, I just have a go, and I never ever think I can't do something until mm-hmm. I've tried about fifty times and I haven't succeeded. But um, you know, I will just keep going until it works. And I think that is the trick of being a really good modeler mm-hmm. is be willing to not accept second best. If you know you can do better, you have to redo it. Right. For example, the the building you just spoke of uh, with the, with, that we were talking about earlier. Um, when I looked at that, in fact, one of my comments on on your on your post itself was, I think it looks fine just like it is. And that is me as a less experienced modeler sitting there looking at something that you probably saw when you first did it, thinking it's great. I'm at that level where I'm looking and going. Hey, looks great to me. I, I wouldn't change a thing, but the, but you're seeing it because it's your work, and you're you are more judgmental of your work than than anybody else would ever be, and that's any modeler. Uh, when I build something, I look at it and I think if it's something that I'm not real happy with, uh, I'll, I'll think right away. Well, I'm not. There's something that bothers me about that, and then I'll put a photo out there of my work, and everybody else is going, "Oh, that's awesome! It looks great," you know, and it's you know. And even then, even with their their kind reassurance, there's a part of me going, not right, still not right. I don't care what you think, it's still not right. And uh, a lot of times it, uh, I'll either try, I'll just generally scrap it and try and redo it. Um, and, mm. and, and you have to be willing to be able to say, okay, you know what? It doesn't suit me. It's got it's got to be redone. And um and sometimes it's just a lick of paint. It's so easy to change something totally with just a, a small amount of paint. Or if you're just weathering it down a little. I think people often paint things too bright. And mm-hmm. um, just a little bit of weathering down just makes them look a lot better because they're not so garish. 
Oh, absolutely. Then you were mentioning uh, the models um, that are ready made by by um, Woodland Scenics. Um, just for example, um, you know, we talk on, on our podcast here a lot, and a lot of modelers do too, about you know the. You know they won't. They don't want to do plastic. You know, they, they they don't like plastic. I don't have any plastic on my layout. And these are things I've heard from many many different guys. Um, they're, they're you know they're into their fine scale wood crafting, and I'm all about that. I love doing that. That's our, primarily our main thing as well. However, <coughs> with the right work, just as you were saying, you can those kits that are plastic are marvelous with just the right painting techniques, the weathering techniques, and you can make them look as natural as possible. In fact, Woodland Scenics is an example on their ready-made kits. They're not far off of being to that to, to where you would have to make a lot of adjustments to get them to look, you know, like ready to go on a on a really fine scale nice layout. Um, I think they, they, it depends where you're modeling. I mean, if, if you're doing wooden structures, which is a big thing, obviously, in the U.S., in the U.K., you don't really see that many wooden structures. So for me, that's probably why I gravitated towards New England. I like brick. I love modeling brick. I, I grew up in a city that's full of brick. You don't see much else here. We're a brick city. Right. So, I, I love brick. I love its colours, that warmth, the mortar, the way it goes green in some bits, the black bits, the way things weep out of retaining walls. I just love that whole thing. And wood is great, but I think brick has so much to offer as well, and it models much better with plastic than anything else. Um, I think Brett can attest to this. We we said the same thing that you that you just stressed on is – when we've looked at our own layout and uh, at one point and we were like it's all hey, wood uh, yeah it's all wood we, not every sh- even in our own towns I'm not even in New England we're in the, uh, in the mid-Atlantic area near you know Washington Baltimore and mm-hmm. uh, that that area between there and Pittsburgh and so you know we look at our own area yeah there's some wood structures uh, however we have a lot of brick here and we're looking at our in our own layout, thinking everything we have is a wood structure, so we've been trying to gravitate our buildings lately to some to some brick structures, or at least partially brick, um, if we can. And I found a lot of good uh, brick material in the laser cut uh, uh, brick. Yeah. You know, I don't know if you tried any of that, the wood laser cut brick. Um, I've I've got some monster model works, and some others do it. Um, I've also got some hydrocal, which can be really good for brick. Sure. And, I mean, I do own every Southwood the Model Work kit, so a lot of my layout is going to be Southwood the Model Work kit. <laughs> it's beautiful brick. Um, but none of them are going to be built as per the kit, so I'm going to mix them all up so they look different. And I think you, you have to. You have to give a little variety of each. Not your, you know, no town. I don't care if you're from the UK or anywhere in Europe or in the United States. No town is made up of one solid building material. I mean, you're going to have a, a array of anything, uh, and and you know oh, yeah. we do get into a rut where we where maybe it's because we love just doing that type, or we love doing uh, you know because we're 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 comfortable. We get too comfortable. We're placent in what we're doing, um, and and then you know you're like, wow, I, I missed out on that. But um, I think it's interesting because obviously I live in a village. 
And our, our church is probably one of the oldest buildings, and it's well over 600 years old now. So I look at something and I look for a range of different building materials mm-hmm. and a variety. And I think a lot of New England towns all went stone when they had big fires. So, you know, wood actually got banned in a lot of them as the main building material. Right. So New York, which was one of my early inspirations, you don't see any wood buildings there. Mm-mm. So it's just where you're going to model. And if you're modeling Europe, there'll be some wood buildings, but they'll be mostly stone and brick. Right. So it is time, location, era. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So now, uh, your, your layout that you have, um, how, how large of a layout is, is your layout? Or do you have several? Uh, I never like to stick to one thing. I keep selling up my second layout stuff after a while because I'm trying to stay focused, but it doesn't work for very long. I've got a 12-foot New Haven layout in my loft, and I started this one in 09 when I came to the Hartford, Connecticut, NRA National Convention, and I came back and I ripped out my old US layout and went... I need more trees. So this one's a lot greener. Um, I kind of thought New England would be like England, and it isn't. You don't have rolling green hills. You have a very different type of, and a lot more trees. So definitely different. Um, So this one is actually triple deck. The lowest level is just storage and is the old yard of my old layout. It's like a folded figure of eight. And the two loops, one loop is in the storage yard, and then the top loop is in the middle layer. And then it runs up, runs out into the eaves of the loft and comes around in in a tunnel on an upper level, which is like a mill valley. So it's mostly hills, water, and mills. Oh, that's so cool. And, and it's, um, so yours is, mul- is it's multi-level? Yeah. Is that, okay. So then it, it's, is it, is it, you said earlier about the you know, some of the layouts in, in the in the United States um, seem to be a little on the larger side. Uh, mm-hmm. Is that is that done based on space available? Uh, in, yeah, in, yeah, in the UK. Mine's a, one of the largest UK layouts I know. Oh wow! Uh, you know, the biggest you ever see really is perhaps a double garage, which is sixteen foot by eight foot. Um, you know, people don't have big houses. Most people like they'll have the spare room. They may have a sort of it in the eight by ten spare room. Maybe a tw- I mean twelve foot by twelve foot is a big room here. Sure, bedroom. And then um, a lot of people only put them up at exhibitions. So they make their layouts to go to exhibitions, which is a big big circuit here. You know, a lot of people spend a lot of time taking layouts to exhibitions. Sure, and they absolutely. You know, they may only go to the club, the local club, and make them. And, you know, a big layout at an exhibition is probably about 20 foot long. Um, they're not even then that big. And right. yet I can visit U.S. 60 foot basements. It fills me <laughs> with horror. Why would anyone want to do a 60 foot basement? I mean, I'd be built stiff for the first 100 yards track. It's just, it just it's too much for me to cope. <laughs> I haven't got that attention span. So a lot of my layout is actually pop-out dioramas. So that one we've been talking about a lot, um, that actually goes into my layout, but it pops out so I can work on it downstairs. And the idea is when I finish that one and I finish the whole layout, I can just put another diorama in that same spot, as long as it has the same track connection and river connection and river flows out to the fascia so it doesn't matter much more than that. You know, generally the shape will fit there. So my idea is that I get bored and I like to move on. So I do a lot of sci-fi, I do a lot of other things. And then this layout is the one thing that keeps going in the background. And um, I do appreciate the fact that 
12 by 12 seems very large and I wish I had stuck to a series of micro layouts with hindsight right but but yours being multi-level you've compensated for lack of space by going vertically up and um that's you know that's ingenious that you can that, you know people can take you know a smaller space and actually make it work to their advantage by giving themselves a lot more available modeling area by you know making it multi-level uh where whereas here in the united states it's usually like you said one big giant monster layout on in somebody's basement um and now we have a smaller basement we're working with on ours and so our layout is 16 by 5 is that right correct brett that is right nice yep and, and even then, at 16 by 5, we know our layout is maybe large in some people's standards in your in your country, but in our country, it's miniature. And uh, <laughs> That's not miniature. That's not miniature. My next layout, well, the one I'm doing for my next lot of YouTube um, videos when I get started, is 4 foot by 2. No, it's not even 4 foot. It's 110 centimetres by 45 centimetres. So convert that. It's like three and a bit foot by twenty inches or something. Wow! Oh my! Wow! And you know, we look at ours and, and we're thinking, you know, and we know compared in our country, this is a smaller layout, okay? But um, it, we're looking at it thinking, you know, we just redid it. We tore we we had it up and we it was looking kind of like what we wanted, and and then you know you're working with it and you're thinking, wow, we are into structure building and that type of thing and the scenery. Oh, that's that's our that's our love. Um, the trains are there and you know they're part of being a non-static part of our pro uh, of our of our presentation with the layout. We love you know having running train. However, to us, it's you know what we can put down scenery wise and structure wise, and uh, so we started building it. And we're thinking, wow, we've really limited ourselves to how much of that we can actually do. Um, so we tore it all apart. And it was, a, you know, it's a scary moment when you want to tear it all down. And uh, we tore it down except for our harbor, uh, which we thought was fine, and it is. Um, and we tore it all down. We restarted it, and now we have all, all this extra room uh, to to put structures on and we thought we've made enough through the years to build this big city and we started putting it on a couple weeks ago the buildings down and we're looking at it thinking oh my gosh this is going to take us forever to fill out <laughs> yeah but what we do when it's done don't, I don't want to finish mine yeah. I still be right. building it yeah, yeah we, we don't want to finish it either. <laughs> um, cities do take a lot of scenery. I've got a city section, and it's the one that has very few buildings on it. Um, but, you know, if you're doing craftsman structures, they are not quick to do. And, you know, you build them all on their own little diorama so you can move them around and have a play and see how they look. But one of the people I really like for his use of space is Lance Minheim, and he talks a lot about having space between your sources of interest to give the eye a bit of a rest and I'm I mean cities are fine because that's what they are they're packed in but I'm very keen on my upper level that I've got big spaces of just green in between so it doesn't seem like it this place is busier than Piccadilly Circus with mills and everything you know it's a winding valley and if you drive around them in that particular part of New England they're not all jam-packed on top of each other they are spread out right so I'm trying to replicate 
that a little. And so I've always got this concept in my head of don't overfill it, don't over detail, have restful areas that are green and have detail in them. Um, so I do videos for MRVP and I think the final photos for that section went on Instagram as well. And it's just literally a bit of green scenery. It's a fill in between two areas. It's, um, you know, 12 inches long or something. And I just wanted it to be all green and there'll be one van on it, um, a truck and then um, a little boggy area and some trees and bushes and grass and everything. But I deliberately don't want anything else in there. I just want it to be peaceful and restful between two other scenes. Mm-hmm. So I'm re- always mindful of the gaps as well as the bits that we're building. Right. Yeah, and you also have a, a, a really cool videos and that I've seen of your waterfront. Um, and, mm-hmm. and it's beautiful. It's really, it's really awesome. We watched it. Um, I've applied some of the, your techniques uh, to our own. We, our entire front edge of our 16 foot is is waterfront. It's it's a um, from one end to the other. And um, I don't know if you've seen um, Bruce Nickerson, who has Seaport Model Works. Um, yeah. He has a at the shows here. He has his own display uh, that him and um, Dave Frary uh, have built and it's all waterfront we kind of saw it and thought oh that's we just have to we had just a little harbor and we've taken that now the harbor on the one side has now become a small waterfront but it spans the entire front end of our of our layout and um, and it's a lot 16 foot is a lot of waterfront but mm-hmm. um, it, you know, we've watched your videos on uh, on waterfront and how you have done some of the dock work on it and the concrete that goes out to the edges of it. And you know, it's it's it was very inspiring for us. All of your all of your videos are, and you cover. You know, there's other channels out there. Uh, the listeners here that have not been to hers need to go to Kathy Mullet's, um YouTube channel and check it all out. And and Brett, if if you're yep. fine with it, Kathy, we're going to put a link up on uh, when we when we air this cast. Uh, we'll put a link up on on it as well for people to uh, check out your channel yep. and to subscribe because uh, I highly recommend it. You cover not just you know when you see other people's uh, and I'm not going to name any, but but you'll see. Yours and Luke's, as we were talking about, both kind of do this. You you don't just cover like trees, grass, you know. It's it's uh, road, uh, water. Okay, and and you'll see that five or six basic type of techniques. With yours, you offer more. You and you one leads into another. I've noticed. You'll have you'll 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 talk about grass, but then. There'll be tall grass. There'll be weeds. There'll be, you know, how how you make the grass go to the edge of the road, and it's specific, and it's really, really um, not just inspiring. It's very, it. There's one thing to inspire. It's another thing to teach. Yours teaches, and uh, you know, I I gotta compliment you. It's it's it's. There's so much out there on your channel that, that is going to help the milers here that we we're trying to reach so i'm blushing thank you <laughs> um now um one of the things i want to say about your about your videos and i know i'm doing a lot of talking here right now but um the you when you set them up and you do it um it's not it's ready you are already prepared when you start doing them every object is at your fingertips to oh, be able I to show and teach that 
Bruce, I love the fact you think that. Trust me, there are a lot of cuts where I go, where's the brush? Where's the brush? Oh, other room. When you get the brush, it is not as seamless as it looks. I promise you. You cover it up pretty well. Yeah. Amazing uh, video pokery. I, I love that. You it, it seems to be all just sitting there ready for you. I watched the one you did on roads, and I took from that um, one of the one of the things I took from that was the the, uh, the little trash that you made by chopping up like pieces of candy wrappers and, and things like that. And so I've gone and done that. Uh, I chopped up, and I thought this is awesome. This is I never even would have thought of that. But you, but that just that technique is, is fine um, but you had it sitting there waiting you know you had all your things that you were going to work with were there waiting and I and I get that you would you would chop up from time to time when you're when you're doing things and you forget things but you know you don't make it that way you don't I don't yeah and you'll speed your videos up so that way I don't have to sit there and watch every brush stroke um, which I have had to do on some others where you're kind of fast forwarding and um you know, that's, do you know you can change the speed of YouTube videos so they go faster? I watch a lot of videos at one and a half, two times mm-hmm. speed, just so I don't spend 20 minutes watching one thing. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I I was uh, I was aware of that, but I'm always afraid I'm just gonna like, I might miss something that they said. So I, I'm like, ah, oh, I got I'll, you know, and then you sit there and you're you're waving your hand around in the air for no reason and nobody can see you doing it, but you you're like, okay, hurry up, hurry up. Yeah, I don't ever have to do that with yours. And in the end of your videos, and we need to talk about this. I was gonna, you probably had this a million times. Is the Adventures of Mini Catty, and um, <laughs> I love that portion. I love it so much because. It is, you know, as artists, we like to look at our work as, it, it, yes, we love we love to show it to other people, and we love, you know, to, you know, I, there are some people that don't like to show their work to other people, and it's just marvelous that, they, that they've done, the things they've done, they just don't like to share it. But <clears throat> most artists, you know, they make it, and they go, okay, well, here it is, this is how we do it, blah, 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 blah. But yours is the true definition of artistic is that you have decided you're going to put yourself there and have some fun with it and it it defines your personality and that's what art should be in my opinion and that, and and when you get to that end you get to you know this when you when you show it to somebody else I showed it to one of my coworkers one time we were sitting there he doesn't model railroad at all and we were watching this video which we probably shouldn't have been doing we should have been working and um and he goes, well, that's silly. I said, no, no. I said, that's not silly. That's somebody who is passionate about everything she just did, you know. And um, I said, that is that is the cool. To me, I think that's one of the coolest parts of your stuff. Um, that's that you interesting. Yeah. I have the mini cafes on for a year because I got fed up of people. I mean, I had people walk up to me and go, don't do the mini cafes. They're awful. Hate them and walk off. It's like, uh-huh. okay. And I just got fed up of all the comments with people going, hate the mini cafes. You're crap. You're useless. Stop doing uh, it. Oh so gosh. I kind of put them off for a year. I've actually got a pile sat there, sort of blue screened. And I also I use the blue screen somewhere else for something else. Um, but I've got a pile of them sat there and I just haven't felt like putting them on for a while. So it's nice to hear that you enjoy them. No, I thought yes. they were great. And poo yeah. on those other yeah. people. It's your own unique you know? thing. My opinion is, yeah, well, we're one of these people that, you know what, we, uh, Brett and I can tell you, we don't really care what other people think, and uh, <laughs> it's just kind of you, you do we, you. We, we'll that's our, our whole mentality with everything is you do you, 
and you, I, you, you know, you do you, I do me. That's that's yeah. how we live. Yeah, we're just we. Um, and if we put something up, and sometimes we'll put some things up on Instagram and some goofy, quirky posts, and we just want to have some fun, and we want other people to have fun. Uh, so we try and make it, you know, moderating a uh, a bit of a. A modeling party uh, to us. This is where we get our most relaxation and enjoyment. And I love to see that somebody can be free willed enough to let themselves go and do something like Mini Kathy. You know, that is, that is I love it. I, I say keep it. You know. Cool. Well, thank you guys. <laughs> I um I, I had a um I I work full time and I just hit a point last year where I, I couldn't get them out. I was doing one a week and I couldn't get them out one a week with just living normal life and all I did was videos outside of work that's the only thing I did so I, this year I've dropped them down to one a month and people are like oh you're not doing as many you know do and I'm like well I've enjoyed having the year off um, I'll probably pick them up to one every two weeks and I now do one a month for MRVP yeah uh-huh. which is a subscription channel so I'm actually doing a video that a lot of people don't see on YouTube as well um, so it's been kind of a, a year off and, and that's okay. You know, I think I just I just struggled with time, and I wasn't getting anything that wasn't on a video done. So right. I lay out, you know, I do a task, I do a bit of road for the video, and then I stop, and I don't finish the rest of the roads because I haven't got time because I'm doing the next bit for the next video, which is a different subject. So I just need to catch up and spend some time. But I'm a contractor, and I normally have a month or two off between contracts, and I didn't have that last year. So I'm hoping this year... Um, I'll have my month or two off and um, catch up a bit on some of these chores. So I've I've got all these plans of what I'm going to do, and I, I don't think I'll get any nine-tenths of it done. <laughs> but the big thing I just bought, which arrived um, Friday, was a 3D printer. So I've got ah. a 3D wearing at the moment in the background. Oh, that'll be us. Uh, yes, we've talked about that. Oh, that'll be cool. And I'm, I'm designing loads of stuff for the new micro layout. Um and, but the first thing I printed was the cube, and it worked perfectly. So I was really chuffed. My first print worked really well. Um, and it's just, it's really interesting. Because this is one of those resin ones, and it, it they set with UV light. So it shines a UV light through an LCD screen in different patterns. And it doesn't, um, this is 0.05 of a... Um, millimeter or something, it's 50 uh-huh. micron at the moment it's set on, and it I, you can do them half that width. You can go down really, really fine. Oh, neat! And so it's it very smooth. Really, it's amazing. The quality, there's no lines on them. It's just the quality is amazing. It's a bit messier because it's resin. Right. I mean, I don't fuss, and it's in a room with an extractor fan. I've got the kitchen extractor fan next to it going like mad as well. So <laughs> no real resin smells through the house, which is good. And, um, it's just it's really fascinating. Um so when it should be finished by the time we finish recording this, I'm gonna go and have a look. I'm just printing a little head actually. A six scale head which I pulled off the internet and spent a day trying to hollow out because yeah. still learning. So I've had to teach myself three D modelling. Which <laughs> is just like not immediately that easy. So I've got all these plans for things I want to do. Um, <laughs> I've got little widgets that need to go on axles for cars. I need to make the flanged wheels just for the wagons. Um, nice. Um, some of the modelling, you know, if I'm going to do interesting track work, some of it might be 3D printed. So there's loads and loads of stuff I've got planned to go and print. And right. it's just so easy to do now. I've got a 3D printer. Um, and I blame Luke Towen because I watched his video on um, 
he's the same one he's got. I watched that video and thought, hmm. <laughs> yeah, so now I'm afraid to watch that video. I'm afraid to watch that video now because you know, I'm going to want to buy one of them. Yeah, but they're not expensive. The, the resin's fairly expensive when you're buying it, but um, the actual printer's £400. Yeah. Under £400, okay. which is, I think, for the quality, is re- very reasonable. Wow. Uh, you know, and that's another thing. Wow, the amazing technology out there that has taken model railroading uh, or any other, not just not model, not even just modeling, um, any art form. Um, the technology and materials that are available to us now that weren't available, uh, let's say, when I first started doing model rowing, I took a break because Brett was growing up and we were doing that part of, of life. Um, but when I started 35 hey now, years ago. Don't blame me. I'm not blaming you, buddy. But uh, and, and, and you know, I'm grateful, by the way, to the fact that I can share something with my son as now an adult with his own kids, and we we do this together. This is some, you know, it's I'm I'm very grateful for that. Um, but it's uh, back then, you know, it, there weren't these technologies. You couldn't go to a box craft store and pick up everything you possibly need in, in one trip and, and do this. And and it's really, really enhanced, regardless if it's modern or if you're uh, an artist that paints or draws. You know, it, now, of course, those things don't change too much, but there is more art, art medium availability uh, in just about every craft right now, which is, you know, really enhances things. And I think for crafting especially, it's a very practical thing, crafting. It's a hobby. It's it's about artistic expression. But also learning how to do those techniques is much easier following somebody. And YouTube has made such a difference because, oh. yes, you can read a book and see it, but when you watch somebody else do it, I mean, wow, it's just it's just amazing. It's so much easier for me to learn different techniques, even at t- twice speed, um, and see what people are doing, and then come back and try them and adapt them for model railways or whatever I'm doing. Right. It's so easy to do that off YouTube. Um, we should just can't for a book. You just you wouldn't go out and buy some of these books. So you look at them, and you think, I'm not sure what you mean. Yeah. Just, just I can't follow it. So, You're yeah, right. It's been uh, really- you were saying about the YouTube. Uh, just for example, I mentioned at the start of this podcast about my lawnmower debacle, um, mm-hmm. and I had to tear the carburetor out of the lawnmower and, and clean it, and I would not have been able to do so without YouTube and watching mm-hmm. a video on it. And there were literally eight different uh, videos of the same lawnmower that I have, which is amazing. Um, and you know, it's you're right. I mean, there's so much that... Uh, not just the mediums that I spoke of, but you brought up uh, is the media itself. Um, what we can get from viewing other people's work, and, and and of course that's what you do, and it's inspiring and time and time um, time consuming for you as a producer of that media. Um, as you were saying, it's tough to get the things you would like to do as a personal on a personal level done. Uh, we see it. Uh, ourselves with the podcasting, uh, how much time it literally takes us. We put out a, a weekly podcast, and um, we're trying to make it as content 
driven uh, with you know great guests uh, lately. We've had some amazing uh, guests on and on a week by week basis. And um, you know when you're done and you get it all set up and you think about all the things you want to do and say and 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 of course the editing portion and we look at our own layout or own layout or on our own workbenches and we're going oh my gosh I forgot about this model I've been working on I started two weeks ago and I haven't done anything at all you know it's still sitting there in a box and because uh, yeah. you haven't had the time and um, you know well, so. I can imagine on the video end of it, like yours, that it would be um, even more time-consuming. Absolutely. It takes far longer to edit the videos. Yes. Get the photos, write the blog post, get it posted, get it all up. It takes far, far longer to do all that than it does to do the modeling. Yeah. My experience. (laughs) We agree. Yeah. And people don't realize. Um, That's fine. I mean, I, I, I kind of put off the editing to the last minute, so I end up with filling up just terabyte after terabyte of raw footage and I struggle with close-ups it's very hard to do close-ups when you're recording everything Mm -hmm. I just put in a fourth camera which isn't a very good camera just trying to get better close-ups because people often say I would like a better close-up but my problem is this sounds really sad I pick it up to work on it and then I put it down and I take it out of camera shot all the time (laughs) so I've got it on 4k and a wider one so it's always in camera shot, and every now and then I still pull it off to you know do the really fine work. So mm-hmm. it's um, it's just that struggle to always get everything recorded. And sometimes I think, oh, it's only a two minute job. I can't just put all the cameras on. <laughs> you just leave it till later. Um, so I've got one. Typically, I've got one recorded waiting for editing. Mm-hmm. And the last one I did was just a talky one, just because I've got to get something up for Thursday, and I'd recorded it ages ago as a sort of one that was there mm-hmm. and um, I'm still filming the one for September and I'm hoping when I have my two months off I'll build this micro layout and that will generate loads and loads of videos for the yeah. next year or so so I can I can manage to do them yeah. and uh, that would just be really fun but you know you sometimes sit there with an evening feeling guilty that you're not doing something it's <laughs> that's just the way it is isn't it yep it is Brett do you have a question on for her at no. all not really. I don't really have any questions, but I just wanted to kind of go over some of the videos that I got inspiration from from watching after you had shared uh, Kathy's name with me uh, over the last couple months. Okay. So I was just going to say I I took a huge uh, a huge inspiration off of uh, your doc details, how to build your docs. Mm. That video and the uh, the I haven't done it yet, but the oil slicks video. Oh, cool. That I. I don't know why, but I want it now. I I watched it probably. I think it was probably about a month ago now, and I have it saved on my favorites. But uh, <laughs> it's one that I'm gonna definitely I'm gonna incorporate into our into our layout somehow. I'm gonna force an oil slick into it. Well, I've got some cellophane um, film that's pearlized, and I'm gonna try putting that on top of the resin at some point to see if I can just get it to to bed in and look like an oil slick. Ah. And I think. Uh, it is that iridescent sheen. It's getting that iridescent sheen. And I, I won't tell you how many different techniques I tried Until before you got I came to that one. And I still am not 100% happy. But, um, you know, it well, is that's what, it is. That's, the, uh, that's what we talked about with the, uh, the artist in you. You know, it, yeah. even, it, you know, you go back to something a month later or a year later and you go, oh, you know, there's just, I could just edit this one little thing on it to make it a little better and. You know, you yeah. you always yeah. you're always improving. So it always you're always looking at your last work as something that was after you was before you learned something new. So yeah, and then um, 
I'm really lucky that, you know, I was looking to do um, a micro layout on something. And my main layout now is um, mainly I'm doing on MRBP. Um, because I've got a lot of things for there um, and it's sort of saying that so I was looking for a micro layout to do and I was just chatting and while I was judging over the summer I was just chatting to the editor of Railway Modeler and he was like oh you know you should write some articles for us and it gets you going and you chat to people and you bounce off and you get all these new ideas uh-huh. so yeah that's my next set of videos because I've got so <laughs> many ideas it's just which one should I put on there and it's not just for you it's just not the videos like you said you're also writing articles and, and we've been asked to do that ourselves recently and, and we are going to we're going to help uh, the one magazine has talked to us um, however um, well between you, the podcast you, and, and our own yeah. modeling and our home life it's it's tough to find time to add even more to it it's like where do you do that I mean I'm, I know I'm going to try and write work. we're trying to come up with enough writing content on our own blog uh, let alone have to come up with something for a magazine and we're like hey you know what we're going to have to hold off for a couple months uh, because they wanted it right away oh, I, I said on mine I can't do it till I'm next between jobs I cannot do yeah. it while I'm full time I said right. you'll have to wait and he's like I'll schedule it in next year for you that's fine that's perfect for us Yeah. I so did. you know they'll wait if they want the, the article and most people are not expecting it to go out straight away right. so I just make sure I know my deadlines I've got right things I write for MRVP and things I write for <laughs> and things I write for the NMRA British region and I just I'm a deadline girl I tend to write them towards the deadline so I'm, I've been very good my MRVP one is out for review with a few trusted friends at the moment and then I'm in the middle of writing a Royal Modeler article <laughs> just like <"No." laughs> and on top of that you have this um this TV show. Can you please go into yeah, detail and explain this for us? Yeah, um, this, it's amazing how doors open when you start doing railway modelling. Um, I started going to the US a lot, and that's where I met the MRVP crowd. And um, I, I was on holiday in Vietnam, I think, in January. And this sort of blanket email came out to most of the UK model railway clubs, and my name was down on it somehow, um, saying, we're going to be recording a TV show called The Great Model Railway Challenge, kind of like the Bake Off, the Great British Bake Off for trains. And I was like, okay, but I'm in Vietnam, I'm not that bothered. And the NMRA British Region President, lovely man, David McLaughlin, um, got in touch with the producers because he thought it was a great idea, a great way of selling the hobby to people who aren't into model railways. And it's railways because we're in the UK at this point. And um, he said, oh, and you should get Cathy to be a judge because she's excellent. She does a YouTube channel. She's really good on camera. Um, you know, she's got the right attitude. You know, she talked to her. So they were like, okay. So eventually he, he rang me and told me I had to ring them. So eventually, against my better judgment almost, I rang them and, and Pat, the producer, the exec producer for the series, lovely guy, really nice guy, had a long chat with me. And then I popped down to see them in London after an audit committee I was down there for. And, um, you know, went out to Shepherd's Bush Market to see their little studio and have a chat with them and then I went down a month or two later for a screen test and the upshot was they said yeah that's great even if you weren't the only girl that we've got on the list we'd still have you as a judge um and they wanted a girl to balance it out um so and I I said to them oh you should get C Flint from Rowan Modeler because he's a you know a great great guy I think he'd do really well so actually and they did two Steve Flint so I feel quite vindicated there so we had two judges and Steve's the editor of Rail Modeler, largest UK model railway magazine, mm-hmm. and myself as a 
scenery expert almost and somebody who likes enjoying that sort of side of things Mm. that artistic quality probably and we had two presenters who if you watch car sos one of them is the lead presenter from there tim shaw and then james richardson who does football so i'm not into football so i didn't really know him till we got there and um it was fascinating because i've never been on a real tv show and doing youtube is nothing like it so (laughs) i really i was much i was so glad i was a judge and not on the teams because it was really hard work they had 24 hours spread across three days and it did probably just about total up to 24 hours but it was full of interruptions for filming and interviews and noise and all this sort of stuff and they had to produce a model railway and it was a huge space to fill um, you know, they've got these massive boards and they had to fill them in model railway. And they were allowed to pre-build six items for the original heat. But for the final, they just had to turn up and fill this 10 foot by 5 foot board. And it was just, wow. Oh, wow. And it was just amazing. And it was just, I, my biggest worry when I went into it was, how on earth are they going to do it in time? How are they yeah. That time scale, and they did it. They all managed to produce some really amazing stuff. Oh, that's and, that's pretty that's pretty amazing! Wow, ten by five foot. Yeah. And they had to fill this in. You said in twenty four hours. Yeah. And they were judged on it. That's the end. They'd be judged on top of it. Why yeah. do we have shows like this? We don't have any shows in the United States no. on model. We need to bring it we over here. We need a show in the United States on Mile Railway. We are so jealous right now that they even have that on their television over there. With all the other, uh, with all the other judging type game shows we have over here, they got to come up with something like that. Because we got well, some food junk over here. <laughs> this guys and um, these guys and the production company, I'm sure they'd be happy to sell it on as a rights to um, somebody in the U.S. If anybody's interested. Oh, oh well, we're gonna try and we'll, I'm gonna see if I can uh, look into that. That would be awesome. Yeah, it was it was cool doing it, and we had some great teams. So they had five heats, three teams in each, and then the final with five teams in it. And we were in this amazing location, which was a private railway. Uh, Sir William McAlpine had, um, unfortunately, died recently, but he he built this private railway, and he's got his own diesel engines and his own steam engine, and oh, it's just amazing place. Depots, he's picked up from around the country and bought a huge number of signs and things and peacocks peacocks are very noisy birds peacocks um alpacas meerkats it was just it was really fascinating so it was a great place to be recording and i had six weeks on and off work and i had a very generous boss who allowed me to have time off and it was just it was really really interesting um, I met some amazing people. I've picked up all sorts of tips, um, especially around electrics, which I'm not that great at. And there's a guy there who, um, Mike, who wired, um, he was on offshore rigs and things, and his wiring was beautiful. Yeah. So I've got some helicons and I've got some bootlace crimps and all sorts Ooh, of uh, things to um, to neaten up my wiring, which will now be on display on the micro layout. And um, I also bought a glue gun and a, a few other glue pens and had a lot of chats with people about how to cast rubber and things. So it, it was a really interesting experience. There's a lot of people who were really good at what they did, and it was great to chat to them. Um, right. So it was. And, and you know, and, and that says so much about you that they have chosen you as a judge. I mean, um, and, and I know it's, it's hard to accept that. It, you know, it, you're, you have to, you know, Obviously, you have that humble side of you that says, you know, okay, well, it's, you know, but you, you have, you know, it's, it's, you've elevated yourself 
through your work and your ability to express um, how to how to do things, how to learn, and then of course your artistic ability as well uh, and your crafting ability. Um, it, it has propelled you to have an opportunity to do something like that. Where a television um, network or, or a producing company would find that to be so now you know to be able to present to a public that would tune in to watch something like that uh, that says so much for you and other and the other judges I'm sure um, and, and the modelers themselves as to how they're able to um, express and make a show interesting to do something like that um, you know that's that says a lot about about the people that they chose um, that you know sorry sorry I just wanted to interject that and well, it was great fun. And they sequestered Steve and myself practically on our own. There was a presenter in there as well. Um, and so we were on our own for a lot of evenings chatting about model railways. So it was great just to spend that much time on model railways. We were talking about how busy we are. And, you know, I'm there at 11 o'clock at night trying to watch a YouTube channel, falling asleep watching it sometimes, just trying to learn a new technique. And this was just like really concentrated model railways. And I was going to do a diorama for my next videos, but I came away from this wanting to do something that ran, because I don't run my layout a lot, because um, I'm normally scenicing it, so I've got the trains off so they don't get covered in gunk. But it actually made me want to go back and run railways and have some animations in there. So I'm going to have a level crossing gate, which is a grade crossing um, opening, and these fogs will move. And I I've, I've, I've still haven't assessed in my head how I'm going to do it, but they have a portable <laughs> rail to do the crossing. So uh-huh. I've somehow got a lift rail for the narrow gauge one. They just laid it across the top of the standard gauge whenever they needed to run a train across which is very weird, um, but not untypical in quarry layouts, um, you know, quarry railways. So, you know, I've just got all these great ideas buzzing around from it. So it was was a really uplifting experience. Now, with your – in the NMRA, I know you recently become – uh, taking the whole the whole test and everything on how to be you know to become a, ma- a model master model railroader um i guess a, you know, i guess yeah. they call that a master model railroader and um you know you've got is that a certification that you've gone through and uh you know this did those things that you learned to to do that were those were those things that you had were strong points or did you learn in the process of becoming that Oh, no, it definitely wasn't strong points. The Master Model Railroad, I think I got it about four years ago now, um, Mm -hmm. was, I have to say, some of the worst moments in my modelling life because you have to do certificates in a a variety of areas. So I actually did motive power, so I had to kit bash or enhance and score so many marks on two locos and then scratch build. So I did a speeder from scratch, every single thing, lights, oh everything, born the lot from plastic. Oh um, boy. Styrene. So that was really interesting. I mean, now I just 3D print it, but in those days, <laughs> uh, you know, four years ago, it was still cutting all out styrene shapes. Sure. And it was just fascinating. Um, the, the thing that got me was the track work, but I wouldn't be doing this micro layout with stub point probably now if I hadn't been made to do from scratch three different types of turnout and I did a crossing a dual gauge turnout and a um, normal turnout so I had these sort of three different things there and it it was it made me do things and it made me do things I wouldn't necessarily have done and there's 11 certificates and I did seven and I might go back and do some of the rest but um, life has moved on and right. sure. you know I kind of, at the moment, I'm enjoying not having to do it. Um, but it was, it was, it made you do a lot of things. So you have to do, say, eight 
I can't remember, eight or 12 structures. And you have to get merit awards at some kind right. of judging on quite a few of them. So you have to get a certain standard. It isn't right. just a case of, oh, you can put any old building in. Right. It, it, right. Was, it was certainly very good. Um, yeah, it's something I contemplated myself you know, recently. And and I, when you started talking about your, your, your frogs and your switches and things like that, is there is a little more broad scape, um, and and that I love that idea. It's just brilliant, and um, it's so inspirational to go out and see what they fitted. So you know that I mean I know in yeah. three foot by two foot I can fit an entire dock because I've seen so many other people do it. And the fact it's double nine is practically end scale. Um, uh, we fit a lot in, and um, I think the UK hasn't got this mentality that big is better. Uh-huh. Um, it has this mentality that high quality is aspirational um, and people love looking at great photos and great layouts you know and the big really popular ones sometimes they're not necessarily the best modeling they're the ones with the most happening you know if you have beautiful modeling nothing runs you won't have many people around you for long and um, so right. like, oh, the trains running <laughs> um, but you know, quite often the popular ones are ones that are just interesting you know they've got a lot happening they've got um maybe really great buildings on there or just mm-hmm. D-Day landings ones or you know there's one where they're setting up for that there's, there's always something with a funicular or something just slightly quirky and different so people will stay and, and look at those and you know end scale I went past one it had one of those Helljan working container cranes it was right. awesome people are watching it because of container cranes moving and he's struggling sure. to pick up his um, container so yeah just it, it's really interesting and people are always happy to explain to you how they do their filling yards right. um, you know how they get everything to run what they've done with the stock you know, people are just so happy to chat as well so you're getting the clinic just by standing there viewing and talking with the people as it is. You're you're learning. You're getting a specified clinic for what you're seeing, and and that, that that's pretty cool in itself. Yeah, I mean, I spent a lot of time when I was on other people's layouts explaining it all to some little kid, and his dad leant over at the end and went, "Thank you so much. I understand so much more now." <laughs> but um, oh, yeah. Oh, that's great. That's great. Brett, do you have any questions tonight? No, I do not. I uh, I think we've covered a ton of it. I apologize. I haven't been very. Uh, yeah, Brett is usually talking. more uh, very more interactive on I, um, these, and uh, he's I, been fighting this sinus thing. Yeah. Yeah, he said at the beginning, so I'm not taking it. So, yeah, nothing personal. I just feel like garbage right now. So, uh, I'm glad my dad took over, picked up my slack on this one. But uh, I'm just barely surviving over here with the on the recording end. So, yeah. Uh, but no, I I think everything's great, Kathy, and I love what you're doing with with everything. Um, uh, for your side of the hobby over in the UK, it's it's huge. Everything you're doing is awesome, and hopefully one day we can either get over there and, and meet some of the UK modelers or have some of them come over here and, and have a chat with everyone. So, yeah, uh, including and yourself. If you do, if you, if you do come over and attend like next year's expo or, or the following year's expo, um, you know, we, we would definitely like to, to catch up with you and, and get some dinner or go have a good time and, uh, share some thoughts and ideas. That would be wonderful. That would be yeah, yeah, and then I did another podcast, and we went and met the guy Paul Gillette from that, and it was great yeah. meeting him. Yes, I actually saw, I actually heard that podcast. Yeah, we're familiar yeah. with that one. Yes, and it yeah. was that, that was uh, 
you had a video cast as well with somebody. Maybe it's the same one. Uh, yeah, I think I did um, YouTube model builders. Um, yes, yes. Cast, yeah. Um, but Paul, we just chatted, mm-hmm. uh, and then yeah, he's a great guy. Really, really interesting. Yeah, definitely. So, well, we 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 listen to his show all the time. So I mean, it's uh, yeah, it's he he does a great. He he's been out and doing it for a long time. And, mm. and there's so much to pick up on. We're just we're we're only what 32 episodes in. Yep. So yeah. uh, we've only been doing it since January on a weekly basis, however, uh, without missing a, a beat yet. But uh, man, so sitting there trying to come up with content, um, it's uh, it's sometimes. It's fun to do trying to trying to decide what you need to go on next, but but well, uh, it's down to who you pick, and if you pick somebody who doesn't like to talk, it can be quite hard. <laughs> oh yeah, and sometimes it's like pulling teeth to get uh, to get subject matter out of some of the people, but oh yeah, but, but it's it, all good and it, it always works out. But yours was sure. awesome; you had plenty to plenty to hit on with uh, oh yeah with this one. Oh, yeah. And the one thing I did want to bring up, and it was probably one of my most interesting videos I've seen of you. It's not, I don't think it's a very recent one of yours, but um, it looks like you put it up last fall. But it was the difference of UK and US modeling, part one oh, and yeah. part two. I found that fascinating because it seems like a lot of the stuff resonates the same over here uh, with what's mm-hmm. going on. I mean, it might be the modeling side might be different, but the way people think about it and the state of the hobby is pretty much the same. Like the older crowd thinks it's dying and. The older crowd thinks the hobby's thinning out, and there's still a bunch of younger people getting into it. It's just they're in different places. They're online. They're on YouTube, and they're, you know, they're place. They're 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 on mediums and different outlets that the older crowd just isn't there. But they got them on the TV program. I'm, I'm yes. going on. They, yes. they had some really. I mean, had 90, a team of 19 year old lads. That's awesome. Um, you know, they had some really young, brilliant so, modelers who were really passionate. It was superb to see. It's just great to see that, and it's it's just funny that a lot of the same things that you were that you said in that video, you were having, you know, there's an older crowd and a younger crowd, and and some of, and they don't always see each other in in the same places. So it's kind of mm-hmm. uh, it's kind of cool to see how the hobby's morphing into a, a more sharing and online world. And even right. on TV, you said you you'll have a younger team on there. So we're excited to see that. Hopefully, we can get. Uh, a feed or some kind of a way to watch that uh, the the show that you were on. Um, that would be awesome. I, I don't if know if, if it, I don't know that. if it'll be online somehow that we can find it over here. Uh, I'm sure it'll be after the fact. It won't be. We won't be able to see it at the same time you do. But uh, when it premieres, if there's any way we could get a feed on it over in America, that'd be pretty cool. Yeah. I don't know. Um, I think it depends who they've sold it to. Yeah, yeah. those those <laughs> recording rights—you never know. But yeah. uh, I'm sure somewhere it'll pop up. We'll get it. We'll get to check it out somehow. You were talking about the generational thing there. Um, it, I think, and we talked about this last last week with Frank uh, Varga um, in Canada. He, it's it, that generation. Is it was always an older thing where the older folks like uh, I guess I'll put myself there. Um, we have this mindset that it's it's all older. We don't look at we don't look so much at the younger guy. We don't think they're experienced, and, and, and but they are. Uh, what's coming out now and what we're seeing now is this younger generation of uh, of people that are actually taking social media 
and taking, um, you know, we we're big on Instagram. We love Instagram because not just because, you know, there's a lot of great modeling out there, but because it's so easy. You take a picture, you slap it up on Instagram, you put a little paragraph on it, boom, done. And you satisfy people for, for the next couple, you know, next couple of days until you can come up with something Actually, else. I've started to put that feed up onto my blog because yeah. I've got a WordPress blog and you can just do a, a feed at the bottom. Mm-hmm. So I'm not putting as many blog posts up, but I am, my Instagram is appearing there all the time and I'm right. doing it just because if I got to write, put a photo up and then write a blurb about it yeah. and then the SEO doesn't look right and I get all these red flags and then I have to do this and then I have to do that and then I have to do something else. I mean, I can just put it up on Instagram and it's done already. Yep. Yeah, it's, it's, it's so convenient and so easy. But, the, you know, th- that social media, all the social media platform that's out there is is understand understood by these younger generations uh, more so than it is the older generations. And we understand why. Um, you know, it's all because it's just busted out in the last 10 years. And because of that, I'm seeing modelers with just the most amazing work, not just not just here in the United States, but we're in Europe um, or Canada for that matter, although there are amazing ones. Um, I'm seeing in Asia, um, mm. uh, a big, big market for it there, and uh, especially on the fine scale, very fine detailed things. Um, there well, they is. They have got huge faces, so for them it's detail. Right, right, exactly. And. Because of that, I'm seeing, oh, Australia, I mean, a lot of that. And it's it's neat because now we're being able to spread the knowledge base grows because of the social media and and the um, the availability for us to inspire from is grown because of social media and technological advances that have, have you know, it brought it to a forefront that wasn't there before. And and I think that's a lot of that is generated by the younger generation. And, and when you look at the you even look at simple things as the kit manufacturers. We know that some of them have gone out recently. Um, you know, and some of them are because these these gentlemen who had these businesses have decided to, you know, either retire from it or, or you know, they have you know health issues or an array of other things. But you're seeing also a regeneration of younger people getting into this and making a business in it as well, such as, you know, now Doug's been doing it a while. We've mentioned him just about every podcast, but, you know, he's he's still a young guy, you know, and you have um, the modelers like that are coming out that are inspirational and they're now starting to teach like Jason Jensen. Uh, I don't know if you've seen any of his work um, at all. In fact, I just talked to Jason on the phone yesterday. Um, he's in Colorado and his stuff is amazing and and he's um, an amazing builder. He's going to be at the expo doing uh, clinics as well this year. Um, it's yeah, and, and Frank Vargo, who we had last week and the kit manufacturers themselves that are out there that have a there's a lot of time left in these guys and a lot of in a lot of ideas that they have based on the technology that's out there what they're going to be able to to throw at us and um so yeah i see a good future in this hobby right now where it's exploding i think there's um there's yeah i mean is the hobby dying i don't think it's dying i think it's changed 
Um, I think maybe the 64 Empire is dying right. because people can't afford it. And what I would like to do is encourage people to say, do a module. You can do a two-foot module. You can take it down to the local club and have a social event whilst running it with other people. You don't need a huge amount of stock. You probably do need a handset for a, a DCC system, but you don't necessarily need to buy anything more than that. Nope. And actually, you can practice some scenery techniques and have a great deal of fun. And you've only got a little two-foot commitment. And I think people always want to plan big. And it's a mistake sometimes because you get better and you want to change. You ripped out your first layout. You were saying, this Mm -hmm. is my third layout. (laughs) And I could rip it out and start again if I could be bothered. Um, You know, it, it, it is one of those things where we have fallen for the trap of thinking bigger is better. And actually, it's not always. No. No, you're right. Uh, in fact, uh, some of the some of those brilliant things I've seen were done in a matter of a few mere inches. Um, yeah. You know, it's just uh, at the expo example, they had the contest there that they run, and to go into that contest room and see the things they have, some of there were some decent sized big uh, models. They were you know diorama type models. Every one of them was a diorama of sorts, and um, the bigger ones were of course amazing. Mm. As equally as the simple two inch by two inch pieces that they had there. And you're like, wow, what can I, you know, when I saw, you know, when you see it online on their, on their website and you see this, you know, it says two by two and you're thinking, wow, what could they possibly do with two by two? And then you have to see it to, to believe what, what was the detail that could be put into two inches by two inches. It was fascinating. Shocking. Yeah. It really is. Yeah. And, um, I, and that's what I love doing is little mini dioramas. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually, I'm, I'm looking forward to this micro layout. Trains running. <laughs> still a mini diorama. <laughs> yes, it is. And, uh, that's that's awesome. It was a pleasure to have you on, Cabby. Um, at, at some point, we'd like to have you on again as a guest and, uh, and go over, you know, the maybe some more finer detail points of of uh, you know your modeling and maybe something in specific of sort, and we can sort out beforehand yep. if you would be if you would be you know uh, interested in something like that. I'd love to. It's been great fun chatting to a pair of you. I mean, talking so much chatting, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> yep, I think we've exhausted this one, and I've got a lawnmower to get back to. But um, <laughs> but it definitely um, it is wonderful uh, talking with you. I know we we had uh, all these questions, and and we talked about the differences between our modeling in the United States and your modeling. Uh, I really don't see. Um, a lot there there is a lot of difference but i think the there is a gap that's being bridged because of this type of thing uh where we can all, all share these types of things together yeah. uh in an easier method with uh communications absolutely so, yeah yes yeah, definitely yeah. wonderful you were every bit the guest i thought you would be and i was it was it was great i had a good time i really did Wow. It was great chatting with Benton. I hope you're feeling better soon. Oh, thank you very much. I promise if we get you on next time I won't I won't be as uh lethargic. I uh I just I'm loaded up on cold medicine and uh and I have a stuffy nose, so not very fun. Cold's worse. I know. <laughs> All right, we want to thank Kathy for the time that she spent on our show and a great interview. So we will definitely have her on again. Hope you guys enjoyed that. <laughs>